When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta injury lawyers. Go to jameshbrown.com. Left the flag stick in with the maple leaf flag. pace are you serious oh my goodness glorious and free they just tackled Adam Hadwin by the way who was trying to approach his friend security did not knowing that's exactly who it was but Canada has a conquering hero oh wow what a moment what a moment. Nick Taylor, the 72-foot putt to win the Canadian Open yesterday on the fourth playoff hole over Tommy Fleetwood. So just one of the greatest moments ever in Canadian golf. I still think Mike Weir uh, winning the Masters, obviously, uh, 20 years ago would trump that. And then a little bit of uh, humor, I suppose, with Adam Hadwin, who, uh, what, was 11th or 12th in this tournament? <laughs> he got tackled uh, running onto the green to celebrate. I could also add Edmonton's Will Bateman, who shot a 66 on Friday. He finished the tournament one over par, tied for 68th. We're going to try to get Will on inside sports at some point this week. But for... Uh, a little perspective on uh, what has happened and uh, the, the past and future of Canadian golf. Well, this is a treat. He, he's, on, he's usually on two or three times a year. Now we got him on twice in, this, in less than a week. Former uh, PGA Tour golfer, of course, a Canadian himself, Dick Zokel, checking in. Dick, it's Reed. How are you doing, sir? I'm I'm well, Reed. Good to good to be with you. And yes, you're right. What an exciting moment. I think uh, Nick Taylor now jumps. To the icon level of Canada, Mike Weir, Wayne Gretzky, and uh, Nick Taylor. I, I, I'm very excited about this. This is just terrific for our country and terrific for Canadian golf. What were you thinking? Why? I mean, you're a, a former player yourself, uh, so you're you're probably seeing things that the average fan doesn't see. But like, were you nervous watching that? Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, to <laughs> me, this was the same thing as watching Mike trying to win the Masters in 2003. I mean, th- th- this whole I call it, uh, you know, in the same exact way as the curse of the Bambino with the Red Sox that lasted 86 years. This is the curse of Pat Fletcher, almost 80 years, 79 years that no Canadian. And I think it's, I call it a curse read simply because Pat Fletcher was born in England. I don't even think we should have claimed him. So the original uh, it's been a, over a hundred years since an, an actual Canadian born player has won the Canadian open, but it's, it's fantastic stuff. And, and I do want to say that in spite of all the Saudi distractions that the RBC Canadian Ho- open took away the last two years, they just got hammered. Nick Taylor's victory 
made up for such a wonderful, uh, you know, message, and it was well worth the wait. So uh, kudos for RBC for, you know, uh, being the sponsors that uh, have galvanized this moment. It's, it's truly a great thing for Canadian golf. Well, and I'm glad you said that because we ended our chat last week by saying, well, doesn't this suck? All the live and PGA stuff is going to overshadow the Canadian Open. Well, I don't think the Canadian Open is, is overshadowed, which is good. Man, there's so there's so much I want to ask you, but let, let me just start with the putt itself. 72-footer. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, well, I, 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 like what, what's a golfer thinking when he's over top of that putt to begin with? He's not thinking trying to make it, I can guarantee you that. And given the situation, I mean, that was not an easy putt. Uh, and, 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 and what you want to be able to do is to hit the, a great putt on your first putt. So you have as little work as possible. You want to tap it in, if you, you know, a great putt, and tap it in. And, um, uh, but what you don't want to do is leave yourself a four, five, six footer because that's really going to, you know, swing momentum. So, you, you know, the idea, obviously, is hit a great putt, tap it in, put the pressure back on uh, Fleetwood, and, and hopefully he doesn't make. Is, is that's, Those are the thoughts that go through your mind in that exact situation. Yeah, well... I, I, I like how you're saying you get it so you can tap it in or, you know, guys at my level, 72 footer, you hope then you have a 20 footer after that and then maybe a two footer and then you're done. <laughs> but that's, did, that's right. Were you surprised at all? And, and maybe you're going to think, no, Reed, you're out to lunch. But, uh, you know, seeing how Fleetwood played 18 in, uh, in on the last hole of regulation when he could have won with a birdie and then, you know, even seeing that fourth playoff hole, was he, did he need to be more aggressive? Like, am I getting at something there or like how he played the hole? I think so. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, when you're in a situation, it's you against him in a playoff. I think it's important to take the uh, an aggressive, you know, w- with a proper balance. But I think he took too, he was too cautious on a couple of those shots. Uh, 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 Colt Nose spoke about that. Uh, he, he brought that up. Trevor Immelman confirmed that uh, they would have, you know, if they were in that position, they'd take a, a more aggressive approach. I think that's, uh, that's uh, exactly right. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so Taylor gets the victory. Uh, well, okay. I got it. What, what did you think of the Hadwin being, of Hadwin being tackled? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, first and foremost, uh, thank goodness he wasn't hurt. I mean, all he needs to do is dislocate something and, 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 and it had been all over. But after I kind of settled down here, I go and the way this guy looked, I mean, to me, it looks like Lawrence Tamber, sorry, Lawrence uh, Taylor, oh, right. who is in some type of witness protection plan in Toronto, working for some rent-a-cop outfit. That's what it appeared like to me. I mean, he not only hit him, hit him right in the middle. He drove him to the ground. I mean, that was very impressive. Uh, yeah, that was a big one for sure. Okay, so you know, we talk a lot about when when something happens. What does this mean for golf in our country? Look, you, mm-hmm. you, you, were, you were a tour pro. You won a tournament. Uh, you competed in other tournaments. You, you know, we, we've talked about your front nine yeah. on, the, on the U.S. Open uh, when you set a record. Unfortunately, this other kid named Woods was, <laughs> was doing well. Mm-hmm. But, you, you know, you had some great moments. Then Weir does that. And now, you know, 20 years after Weir, we got Taylor, we got Hadwin, we got Connors. I mentioned, you know, we had an Edmontonian, Will Bateman, in the tournament. Yep. Um, what, like, what, so is, is this now just going to keep growing? Like, is, is now yeah. the next generation even going to be more inspired because of this? 
Absolutely. This is about evolution. And, you know, back in my day, there were three of us on tour. I mean, you look at the Canadian Open this past weekend, there were eight Canadians, including Will Bateman, who's, you know, trying to, who's doing a great job on the Corn Ferry Tour. And, uh, and, and and so keep in mind, in 2003, Mike Weir wins the Masters. Well, all these kids that are professionals today that are on the tour, there's, you know, the Canadians have four wins this year. So this is an evolution, and I can guarantee you that those young people who, are wa- who watched Nick Taylor make that 72-foot putt and watched <clears throat> the Canadians go wild, that's going to be one of those moments where they're going to remember it all the time and they're going to be putting and trying to be like Nick Taylor, like they were, you know, like the <clears throat> previous uh, group of kids were trying to be like Mike, we're winning the masters. This is going to roll over like a snowball. And, and now we Canadians have a belief system that if they can do it, then so can I, because that's what's embedded in hockey in Canada. And I think this is just going to roll over and fold over and be that snowball that's going to uh, be the, the trigger for uh, a lot of new champions 10 and 20 years from now. Well, yeah, and I mean, and, and, I, and, and again, to me, the weird masters is still bigger than this because a, a, a major is a major but maybe you know connor's or taylor or one of these guys are going to get a major soon as well so when you were when you were younger were you mm-hmm. looking up to canadians or did you not even start to believe you could go pro until you went to the ncaa or what was the trajectory for you or the inspiration for you well, I, you know, I went through the NCAA program, was fortunate to, you know, be on a team that won the NCAA championship in 1981 at Stanford. That was great. But getting on the tour, <clears throat> you know, you had to, there's only three of us. There is, well, four, Nelford, Barr, Halderson, and myself. And, and, and I remember in 1987, Reed, I had the lead going into the final round. I was tied for the lead with Curtis Strange in 1987. I had not won a tournament <clears throat> yet. So I was very uncomfortable, and I can guarantee you, it. it, it I, I was I was so uncomfortable that I couldn't settle down and play the way I did the previous three rounds. And you know, and looking Curtis Strange in the eye in the last group on Sunday, he knew he was going to win. He knew I knew he was going to win, <laughs> and I knew he knew he was going to win. <laughs> and and it, you got you have to go through these failures and successes. You know, Corey Connors is doing a great job of it right now. We probably, we thought he was going to win the PGA, but it didn't happen. But it's setting himself up to, because he's he's learning. And now, you know, Nick Taylor has won before. And in this situation, he handled it so well. I mean, belief in the mind is, 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 is such a powerful thing. And we, any young player who says, you know, like Mike Weir's done this and Nick Taylor's done this now, why can't I do that? Uh, you won uh, 1992 Greater Milwaukee Open. I don't know the story, but you did want to win another tournament that for some reason you're not, yep. some sites don't credit you with. Uh, but what do you remember? Well, first of all, why, why does the second to win not always show up? Uh, was it off tour or what was the story there? Well, yeah. So my, my I had two wins in 1992, the Greater Milwaukee Open and the Deposit Guarantee Classic that I won was opposite the Masters. And, and oh. I petitioned... And, and so it wasn't the money counted as official money, but the win didn't count as official money. So I petitioned the PGA tour because 
there were other tournaments that were opposite the British Open and opposite the tournament champions that were official wins. So uh, Halderson won that tournament. I won that tournament. We didn't get credit for it. So I, I, I say that I won two tournaments, one official tournament, but only, but uh, that's just the way it is. I did, by the way, in my petition, I, I, I was not successful in, in getting it overturned. <laughs> Imagine that. The PGA didn't didn't budge. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so when you won the Greater Milwaukee Open, what was the scene like on the green compared to yesterday at 18? <laughs> well, you know, it was funny because another petition I had because I played so well in Milwaukee. And it was the week, you know, in 92, it was the week before the Canadian Open at Glen Abbey. And, uh, and and I, I always, you know, that you, you know the saying, horses for courses. Well, I could really play in Milwaukee. I love the golf courses. And, and so I knew that the turn, a lot of players were reluctant and they didn't, didn't like playing Glen Abbey. So I petitioned the PGA Tour to move the Canadian Open to Milwaukee. <laughs> that didn't work either, as you could imagine. But That's incredible. Well, I, I won about 28% of my money in M- Milwaukee. I don't know if it was the Broadway. Seriously? Or over, like, I, I over, over your whole career? Wow. Over, I did. It just, <laughs> I love Milwaukee. And, and every, you know, I, I played really well there. And um, right from the very first year where Disco Dick was born, and um, I, I just loved uh, and always played well there. Oh, that's fast. I, I didn't realize that was uh, you won that much of your career earnings there. Okay, well, good for you. We'll have to get you back there someday. Do they have slot machines? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> what 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 year? What tournament was that that you went head to head with Strange? And you said you you both knew what was going to happen. The 1987 Canadian Open. The 1987 Canadian Open. Okay. Canadian, yeah, Canadian Open. So that was, Abbey. Right. Okay. So that was. Uh, so what kind of crowd support did you have then? Did it oh. match the hype of yesterday? Well, I think everything is a lot bigger today, everything. Um, but, you know, like I, I'm walking down the first fairway and they got the Canadian flags out and I, I, I it just overwhelmed me. Um, you know, the whole country was pulling for me. And I mean, at that point, you know, in 1954, the, the, you know, Pat Fletcher's last win was, was a long time ago. And, and, I don't know if you recall, there was this one um, well-known sports writer in Toronto uh, Jim Shaky um, um, Hunt, yeah, Hunt, yeah, I remember. So, yeah, after, for sure. So, remember, yeah. so Jim Hunt. So you know, in the '84, he would he he came out with an article and said the Canadians have two chances to win the Canadian this week's Canadian Open, slim and none. And 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 we took it, we take it personally, you know, Barr myself, and and, and you know, you don't want to hear those disparaging remarks. We're very proud, so I go out and shoot a good round, and I come in and say, who says Canadians can't play? So I'm fighting like crazy to just gain gain some ground and and get some respect, and uh, but. Uh, I think uh, it would have been great for Shaky Hunt to, uh, to 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 watch and see what happened this past week because it's just watching this evolution of Canadian golf just get bigger and better. And I can assure you, the uh, the next gap of a Canadian winning the Canadian Open will not be as long as the past one. Uh, so when Curtis Strange shakes your hand on 18 in a round in which, as you said, you both knew <laughs> what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. What, what what does he say? Do you remember? Well, yeah, he said. Uh, I said congratulations. He said thank you very much, and that was it. Uh, it. You know, and, and I felt. You know, I just felt. I 
because I didn't play that well. I mean, and all you've got to be is off a little bit, and those putts that were going in the hole in the first three rounds are lipping out, and they're not going in. You're getting frustrated, and the pressure's mounting. And and, and, and when he wins it, you're in the final group, and you're not performing the way our nation wanted. You know, you just feel like roadkill. You feel like you just got run over, and you got tossed at the side of the road. And and that's the, the mental game of golf. You've got to go through those uh, those experiences and, and and become galvanized from them. And is it difficult for Taylor to refocus for the U.S. Open now, coming off that? Well, I think probably he's going to do the best job he has. He's just so consumed. It was overwhelming. Quite frankly, when I in 92, when I won the uh, Greater Milwaukee Open and then flew into Toronto that night, you know, because it was such a, a big deal, um, I got overwhelmed by just the, the Canadian pride at, uh, in Toronto and, and that whole week. But I think that's a good assumption. I think Taylor's still celebrating. Or sorry, Nick, is, Nick Taylor's still celebrating. But uh, he'll, he'll settle down and, and uh, go into the U.S. Open as the Canadian Open champion. And, uh, you know, we'll have to see if he's able to, uh, um, you know, uh, get his head straight with uh, moving on to the next week. All right. Well, Dick, uh, I love your perspective. Uh, if, if I can make it back to Predator Ridge in, in the in the next couple of years, please don't have somebody tackle me on the 18th Street <laughs> after I make a 13-footer for double bogey, okay? We'll, we'll, we'll put the word out on the security. We'll make sure Lawrence Taylor isn't here. <laughs> hey, love doing this. Let, let's try to hook up again this summer, man, talk about one of the majors or something. This is a blast as always. Anytime, Reed, you bet. That is Dick Zokel checking in from Predator Ridge in uh, BC and, of course, uh, former PGA Tour golfer himself, proud Canadian, and loved seeing Nick Taylor make that putt and uh, win the Canadian Open yesterday. It is 6.50. It's Inside Sports on Chet. This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, that is the Nuge. Good chat there with Dick Zokel about Nick Taylor's Canadian Open win. And, of course, uh, a lot of talk about the Elks and another one that got away yesterday on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. Uh, 780-496-0063. We do have the Elks this week with Morley Scott coming up at 730. Kellen, uh, give me some more messages. Yes. Uh, Greg from Lacombe texts again tonight says, and, and asks, why do teams continue infusing uh, six-foot-plus giants to sneak? Why not stick a running back under center and have him get low and push? It's likely because running backs don't have as sure of hands. That's from Greg in Lacombe. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, certainly in, in football the last, uh, I don't know, five to ten years, some teams have a sneak specialist. Well, even in um, uh, in 2015, right, uh, Edmonton had Jordan Lynch because I think he actually got the game-winning touchdown in the Great Cup. Uh, not Mike Riley, but he would often go in and sneak. It's, it's usually the second or third string quarterback. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure why they don't use running backs. Maybe, maybe they're just not used to taking the snap too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, unknown text coming in says Cornel- Cornelius not making good decisions under pressure. O line embarrassing. Defense held on as long as they could, and he also uh, he or she also asks uh, or adds, I should say, uh, many kiosks out of food at halftime. Opportunity missed for the fans. That's from an unknown text. Yeah, I heard that as well. That there was a bit of a shortage of food. I, I wonder. 
Uh, and, you know, I think in the story Morgan did uh, on Global, I think she asked Victor about that. I, I wonder if they didn't expect how many fans would actually want to eat at the stadium, right, with it being a 5 o'clock Sunday game. I will say, as, as a fan, for me, I didn't mind that start time. I, I wasn't sure how it would feel. Uh, I didn't mind that 5 o'clock Sunday start time myself. Uh, what was the other part of that? Well, I... I Cornelius didn't have a good game. I mean, he wasn't accurate. He wasn't releasing the ball on time. Uh, that I think the O-line was embarrassing. I, I wouldn't go that far, though, as Blake said, that the first and goal sequence was embarrassing. Um, five sacks. Again, I think at least a couple of those were on Cornelius holding the ball too long and not, uh, not getting it off. Uh, the O-line needs to be better. Um, we'll see. You know, I, I think I, well, I, th- I still want to see how that group does. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike in an oxygen truck texting in tonight oh, wow. says, uh, "Did we not hype our running game? So why do they sit when we when we need them?" Thanks, I don't Mike know. And, I, I, and, I, and again, I, and I don't know why Brooks didn't get a couple carries. Yeah, it's just you know, and to me, that's a Jones McAdoo decision. I think Shannon Brooks had a kick return and then didn't play again. Yeah, I thought the running game was going to be much more effective. They, I mean, they, they didn't have a good game offensively. Uh, and, and it's again, it's not all on the quarterback, but it's it's a quarterback sport, and, and you needed Cornelius to make some more throws. Wasn't very accurate. Well, those those are all fair observations. I, I know it's it's frustrating. That game was obviously right there to win for sure. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. The Edmonton Riverhawks home opener is tomorrow. I know a lot of people love going to those games. Randy Gregg, the former Edmonton Oiler, managing director with the Riverhawks. He's going to check in. Basketball tonight, 4.55 left in the first quarter. Denver looking good early, up 15-8 on the heat.